This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to a March Sadness edition of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor, joined by the full crew today with David, Brady, and Jordan. We will be discussing... uh, on this episode of the podcast, Georgia State's 80-73 to 73 loss to Appalachian State in the Sunbelt Tournament Championship. Ugh, tough loss for the Panthers. Jordan, why don't you fill us in? It was a good first half for the Panthers. Took a 37-35 lead into the break, shooting 48.3% from the floor and making 6 of 11 three-pointers good for 54%. Uh, they held App State to under 40% from the floor and forced 7 Mountaineer turnovers. The wheels came off in the second half, though. App State went on an 8-4 run through the frame's first five minutes to take a 41-43 lead. From there, the Panthers would go on a scoring drought of almost four minutes until a Corey Allen basket with 12.39 remaining cut the App State lead down to three. Another three-minute scoring drought would ensue, and the Mountaineers' lead would go up to eight points with just under 10 minutes to play. Kane Williams and the Panthers mustered a valiant comeback effort, but the Mountaineers would never lead by fewer than four points the rest of the way. Georgia State was led by Kane, who scored 18 points. Evan Johnson had 14 points, and Ryan Boyce added 11 points in what was a great game for the Georgia State bench. Justin Roberts was the only other starter other than Kane who finished in double figures. He had 11 as well. Michael Almonese of App State had 32 points in what was a great game for the senior guard. Adrian Delph added 22 points in the winning effort for the Mountaineers. App State took care of business at the line, sinking 16 of 19 free throw attempts to seal the deal and win the game. So, uh, gentlemen, what are your thoughts about this loss? First of all, congratulations to App State. Um, an incredible run that they've been on in the past few games. Um, and just hats off to them and uh, congratulations on a great win. Um, you know, as far as Georgia State side of things and turnovers and at some points during the second half, they just could not buy a bucket. Yeah, I, I still, I obviously our last pod is going to be very freezing cold takes. just because I think we were all of the two possible matchups. We relished the idea of playing the team on who had played three games previously and last two had gone to overtime. And I think that Georgia state didn't do a good enough job of capitalizing on that possible advantage. There was some pressing going on late in the first half and obviously late in the game when the score was out of hand and they needed to to possibly have a chance to win. But other than that, it didn't seem like they were doing the kind of things that could really get App State to have to spin their wheels and expend a lot of energy. And then in the second half, it was App State's tempo. It was exactly the type of game they wanted to be playing. And part of that led, I think, App State to be really comfortable in defense. And they were just, you know, in all the passing lanes and covering all the ball screen offense Georgia State was trying to run. And just the last thing was just get, people weren't making shots. It's just Georgia State has a prolific offense and it just wasn't there tonight. Yeah, you know, it was really hard to watch in the second half. And I think part of what makes that second half so disappointing was they came out and were doing relatively well in the first half. You know, I don't think that... The, we obviously there are they score about 80 points a game so when you saw the 37 points you know it wasn't like the blistering hot pace that they had in the first half against louisiana but at the same time though it seemed like everybody was doing you know enough of a contribution to keep georgia state in the game and keep the offense humming you know ryan boyce led the panthers with 11 points at the break and you know he was four for four from the floor and looked really good 
the starters weren't really doing anything and Corey Allen's struggles against App State apparently reared their ugly head, but it wasn't as if a power outage was coming for Georgia State. You know, you never really noticed anything to that effect. But in the second half, something just switched for the Panthers offense and they just honestly couldn't buy a bucket even if they walked into a Home Depot and had a million dollars in their pockets. You know, it was just really, really tough to watch. And, you know, they didn't even hit their they did not hit two straight baskets uh, in the entire second half until uh, there were two minutes left in the frame. It was just a really, really rough shooting period for Georgia State. Yeah, in the first half, it just seemed like they were doing all the right things. It was not nearly as prolific as I'm just mowing past that Home Depot reference. It wasn't nearly as prolific as the Louisiana game, but it was basically the same formula where they were making the extra pass. They were assisting. They're finding the open look. The only thing that was going bad for them was they were just doing a lot of open court turnovers and just letting app stay in the game offensively by getting in transition off turnovers app forced seven in the first half. and got 13 points off of him and they weren't really having a ton of success on offense. Almonacy had 16 points, but we obviously weren't ready for what was going to come in the second half from him, which was another 16 where it just seemed like every time he put it up, it was going in, but he was their offense in the first half and Georgia state giving them the ball in transition. And so I think that if they can look back at anything from the first half and say, this is other than, maybe doing more to continue to press. Like I was talking about when I started uh, just not having those turnovers, because I think that if it's a situation where app States going in, not down by two, but down by a greater margin, they're not going to give up or anything, but you're going to be in a better position. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and one of the things that has been Georgia state's bread and butter, uh, you know, through that win streak that they were on and just kind of, this whole season when they were playing well offensively was fast break points. You know, App State actually outscored them in that specific category, nine to six. And I don't want to say that that three point discrepancy is their ball game, but fast breaks and, you know, getting out in transition is such a huge part of Georgia State's ability, you know, to get layups, to get easy action, um, you know, and open looks in the corner. You know, that was a big hallmark of their games against South Alabama. That was a big hallmark of, you know, the first half against Louisiana. So the way that App State was completely able to shut down the transition game against Georgia State, you know, that's at that point, that's almost all she wrote for this game. And I think that the other thing is we've been accustomed to a certain performance in the front court in this streak. I mean, Jalen and LAL have been really good. They've been cohesive together at both ends. And, you know, I don't know what the deal was there, but it just wasn't nearly there tonight at either end. Jalen had one of the worst games he's had since we saw how good Jalen Thomas can be. And so it's not to dig on him. It just is if he set a certain bar and it wasn't there especially on the offensive end. And I think that was also leading to some of the issues in the second half where just there wasn't really anyone they, anyone they could go to on any draw up a play for any one person, even if it was just like get Jalen in his usual hot spot in the middle of the paint and get him to be a jumper to get the team hot. And at the other end, right when apps, they started building their lead up to 14 at the end, it was coming on times where guys were just running the lane and just getting cleared for a layup. And it was just, Back-to-back possessions, I remember, App State got really easy looks just running down the middle of the lane, and it's like, that can't happen, especially because 
you have those two guys that can be forces and you've seen be forces and you theoretically had the size advantage and the talent advantage inside. And it just wasn't there. Yeah. And I'm just going to keep rolling with the home Depot references. I mean, Nap state was really able to build a wall around the paint and just keep Georgia state's bigs and the guards from being, being able to penetrate. And honestly, when the shots weren't falling in situations like in previous games and leading up to kind of the stretch, closer to the season as really things started to click for the Panthers. You would see in moments when the outside shots weren't falling, you'd be able to go inside and at least get some of those easy, you know, get a layup, get to the line and get your big guys involved and, you know, play a little more physically inside, take some of those more higher percentage shots and get yourselves back into an offensive rhythm. And they just were not able to, you, you saw that they were going long stretches during the second half where they were out of rhythm. And a lot of that really honestly has to go to credits to App State's defense. They were disruptive. They were physical, played the passing lanes, kept hands up, very active, um, and were really able to just get Georgia State really from ever finding that groove and getting comfortable. And the first time in a while we can say Georgia State started pressing on offense. You had guys trying to do a little hero ball, throwing up shots and trying to get the comeback to happen in one shot. And that's just not the way that this team has been successful as of late. And it's not any way that you're going to sustainably come back in a game like that is just heaving up threes with eight minutes to go, whatever, what have you. And App State was sticking to their game plan on offense. And once they had a lead, they started whittling down the clock and then still getting points at the end of it. It was a really impressive job from them. And well, in, until they started turning it over at the end uh, and Georgia state did get their foothold in the game one last time. But I mean, at that point it was almost like a reverse the UL game yesterday where sure Georgia state put a dent into that 14 point lead that app had with four minutes left, but then it was just too much of a task. They left themselves to do. They got it back to four and they just, it's hard when you give yourself that big of a hole to climb out of. It's not something that's going to be a, you know, a percentage you're going to want to take as far as, you know, you don't want to be in that situation. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I don't want to say this because I want to question, you know, coach Rob Lanier or any of the players or anything like that, you know, but I will say it is quote unquote frustrating that Georgia state's defensive intensity was able to turn on in those last two minutes in a way that I think could have been utilized a little bit earlier to make that comeback attempt a little bit more manageable is what I will say. You know, we'll never know. We can literally second guess basically every decision or everything that happened in the game, obviously. And I don't want to do that, but I think maybe if they were able to be a little bit more active and kind of, I don't want to say in the game, but defensively be able to force Ab State to do a little bit different of things. You know, I don't think that the game would have gone the way that it did. It just seemed like, Georgia state was only turning it on at the end of the half there. And we saw when Georgia state went to the press, it was working. App state didn't really have any kind of plan of attack and turned it over a couple of times and we're all haywire. And then there was the moment where uh, Jordan posted the video on Twitter, just, I guess charitably just hectic basketball and they went for a dunk they didn't get it. And Georgia state ended. That was when Georgia state got a foothold. They didn't really like, they shouldn't have had. It was kind of like in the Baylor game when Georgia State won that game. There was a similar play where Baylor went for the home run play, went for a dunk, missed it, and Georgia State got free throws out of it instead of Baylor holding the ball and milking the clock some more. Uh, and then it ultimately came to those two out-of-bounds plays. That it, One of them, it, I still think it 
barely glimpsed off Almonese's hand before it went out of bounds. It got called off of Justin Roberts live and they couldn't overturn it. And I get it. And then after App State hit two free throws after that to put it to a six point game, the less in contention, it went off of Kane Williams last, but it just, you know, one of those days where the close one was the one that went against you. And the obvious one they went to replay and overturned was the one where you saw the replay. It's like, yeah, they could really tell that really obviously. And just sometimes that's the way the ball rolls. I don't think that I can count that as a home Depot reference, but maybe they have balls for sale. I don't know. <laughs> Man, what have you done, David? What have you done? I like opening cans of worms with my quotes, man. <laughs> so now leaving that where it, oh, leaving that where it is kind of where do, I mean, this is already way too early type of discussion, but where does this leave the trajectory of this Panthers team kind of moving into the off season and looking ahead towards next season? It doesn't touch the trajectory. The trajectory is still great. I mean, consider that everything this team went through they still got to the one seed, put the wins together in the stretches of season where they were playing without any interruption. They weren't losing much. And the other thing is that they didn't have Nelson Phillips or Joe Jones. And those are two guys that I think specifically, if you would just look at this game, those two could have been an important part of this game, whether it's Joe just being another body inside. If it wasn't working with Jalen or LEL, you'd have another guy to go to in that situation. Nelson, I mean, I don't have to, he was always good for a corner three when Jordan needed some offense and his energy, energy, energy on defense. And so start to finish has been kind of a weird year. And so the fact that Georgia state was playing for an NCAA tournament berth after all that they went through really, really encouraging. I think after what was a discouraging end to last season and aside from everything that they could have had that they didn't, they've got some talented freshmen coming in. They should have at least a scholarship to play with to maybe bring some more players in. And we're seeing the formula of what this Georgia team, state team is going to be when they're good. Tonight just wasn't the night where those pieces came together. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think any time where you're probably your best on ball defender misses the entire year. And, you know, there are different games where, that presence of that defender probably allows people to not drop 30 points on you. Um, anytime you get, you know, those players back healthy and they're good and can impact games, you know, that is obviously what you want as a program. I think the nine game stretch where they, you know, the nine cancellation sucks and, you know, hopefully next year where the COVID year is, you know, well in the rear view mirror. Um, but Georgia state is probably going to be deep in the Sunbelt tournament next season. If you know, all of the pieces are there and, you know, I don't foresee a situation where coach Lanier is going to start being a bad coach or anything like that, you know? So definitely we should expect Georgia state to still be on that same, you know, trajectory where they're competing for the Sunbelt title, because I mean, that's where they are as a program. That's what this school and this team is capable of doing. And that's, you know, what they should be doing. And I mean, just on expectations and everything, it'll end up being, even if Georgia state makes the NCAA tournament in next April, it'll be, Three, is I'm doing that right? Three calendar years bef- between Georgia State making NCAA tournaments because they will have missed this year. Last year got canceled and they would have missed it anyway. 
And it's okay that that feels like too long for this program for where they've been. Like, I think the expectations are that next season, everyone's really going to want to see an NCAA tournament run. And I think if you go another year without it, especially with the guys we know can be coming back, the other I mean, we don't really know the senior situation yet. We could have any, a number of those guys back. And I think that where Georgia state's at, it's, it's okay to be disappointed right now, but it's also okay to look at where the team is at and see that they're still pretty set up to have success and do what they want to do. Well, that just about wraps up this discussion, but before we get you out of here this time, we did want to uh, let you know that we will be breaking down the Sunbelt all tournament team after those are announced later in the week. And we'll have all sorts of other stuff to get to, including Georgia State baseball, softball, and all the other sports that are going to be having games before the end of this academic year. So thank you, as always, for being a part of what we've got going on here at Thursday night. It is such a distinct privilege and pleasure for us to share the Panther family experience with all of you. Thanks for hanging with us, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye. The Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford, with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcast. To submit questions and comments, or to request information on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com.